0: Hi everyone, this is the Shopstall Podcast, episode 8 of season 3. As always, I'm going to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how are you tonight? I'm good, despite a almost cold thing happening, but otherwise, good. Alright, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Brian, how are you? I'm alright. Yep, just
1: getting ready for another Victorian COVID lockdown by the looks of things. Oh yeah,
0: sounds like it. Aye it's aye it's aye. funny, Joey. Joe, you mentioned you're you're not feeling well. Mm. You've got two kids, right? Dead.
2: Did you find
0: <laughs> after number two that you guys would get
2: sick more often? Um, no, this is probably the first cold I've had since our second came along. Right.
0: Like we just <laughs> we, if this household has zero immunity. Because we just, <laughs> one person gets sick, gets the next person sick, right. and then it just rotates. My kids are
2: always sick, and
0: I don't know what yeah. to do. My wife, I think, um, uh, yeah. Jamie's now sick as well. <clears throat> oh, it's it's just endless.
2: It does help that we don't send our kids to official learning centers, so um, we're not exposed to quite so much of the bad mm. things. Um, but yeah, I'm that so, it seems so to be tidy. over here at the moment, it seems to be... Bad in the sense that last winter everyone was locked down, and so. Um, yeah, there's no immunity there's, to. Now there's a, a lack of immunity for mm. kids, and there's a whole bunch of kids in the hospital with um, some lung issue that's going around. And um, so yeah. the government's getting very anxious about that. So I actually saw that on the
0: news because <clears throat> this was when Gray came down with something. I think it's called RSV.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And um, someone said to me, you know, if, that's right, because last week we were packed, the car was packed, ready to go to get Gray in at about 2 o'clock in the morning because he had a fever of 39 and a half. And we called one of these health lines and they were like, yeah, at, at that at that level, you're on your way to the emergency department. And um, someone suggested to me, you know, it could be RSV because it's, it's really going around in New Zealand.
2: Yep. Oh, but
1: anyway. I, love, I love the medical corner of our woodworking show. Yeah, yeah. it's great. We know yeah. what we're talking about. Feels like we've done one every single bloody fortnight for the last year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> medical corner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, right. um, the last time we talked, Joey, you'd had some progress on the house. You'd found a spot. We. Yes did a, a Google search after the or map, Google map search after the episode and had a look at it. It's a, it's a really cool location. Has there been much uh, change since then?
2: Well, we have officially sold the workshop, um, which was good because it never actually went on the market. The real estate agent knew a guy who knew a guy who wanted to buy a workshop. So um, <clears throat> we're just waiting on some official lease agreements and we'll lease it back off the guy for a year. And um, so that gives us gonna, a year.
0: <laughs> now we're going to enter the real estate part of our of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Um, hang on,
1: it, was that a real estate agent doing their job efficiently? Is that what just happened? Um, it seemed like it. <laughs> Jesus,
0: do you not feel like you, if you had put it out to market, you may have got a better de- a better offer.
2: Um, well, we got what we asked for. Okay. So. Can't really argue (laughs) much. And and we had a number that as long as we were over this number, we figured we could do what we have to do with rebuilding and stuff. And we got more than that number. So we're happy. I guess that's a
0: a good way to look at it. Yeah, When when we sold our house in Adelaide, there was, from my understanding, that real estate agents can't pit buyers against each other. They can't make them one-up each other. No, you're not allowed to do that. But they can go back to a buyer and say, "Look, you're not the you're not the highest offer on the table. Just yes. putting it out there. <clears throat> see what you can do." And our house, we had about three different buyers all vying for it, and they mm. it slowly increased like that.
2: Yes, it can happen. Uh, I'm not sure. I think they push the limits about what they do legally sometimes, but. Mm. I think at some point someone just needs to say some numbers and then you can say, Oh, I'm in or I'm out. <laughs> uh, mm. but anyway, the nature of the game. Uh, so we're dealing with the same thing, kind of where we're trying to sell our house at the same time, which is going very slowly. It's not really working. Like everyone else is selling their house in about four days <laughs> and ours is just sitting around at the moment. So we need to change up some of what's happening with that mm. because we, only have a year now to buy the property and build the workshop and get out of our current place. And, um, it looks like we're probably going to lose the property we have an offer on because it's, um, conditional on selling our house that, that I'm living in now. And there's the time limit's going to run out before this place gets sold. Um, And we've just been told that someone else has put an offer on the house, another offer, so they'll go to the top of the queue, and, you know, these things happen. So we're just kind of, yeah, doing the, crossing our fingers and hoping everything uh, works out, really. Is the market over
0: there quite, you said, people selling their houses in four days, is, is it quite hot?
2: Uh, yeah also we had been looking for property for a while but just getting ready to put our stuff on uh, on the market and yeah we would go and would see something pop up inquire about it by the end of the day and then like the next day oh yeah it's under four offers and do you want to add another offer and you're like what well, not really <laughs> um and then you know they just the listings disappear off the off the internet pretty quick um awful buying in that type of market eh? because and so you it's just, are yeah. just
0: under the pump great so, for a great for a seller but terrible for
2: yeah. a buyer. so unless we have really what we have to do is wait for a house to sell have actual cash money in our pocket and then just throw it down on the doorstep and say take our money right now mm. um and so that's probably what we're going to have to do but um we've got a couple of options up our sleeves but kind Of worst case last resort type things about where we might shift the workshop to if it gets a bit tight time wise. Um, because the, the obvious thing is that we just lease for another year in, in our existing workshop, but we don't if we spend that year's lease that starts making budgets yeah, very tight. The budget. um, yeah, so mm. that's uh, not really an issue, uh, an option. So we're just uh, plotting plodding on and hoping things happen
0: cool that's exciting
2: <clears throat> yeah it is exciting um, yeah it's kind it of bittersweet because we have got sold this thing we made some good money off our, our workshop property and um, it's a little bit down feeling a bit down that the, the house hasn't moved but anyway
1: if any anybody's listening in Auckland wants to buy a house direct your <laughs> inquiries to Joey <laughs>
2: yeah that's right. yeah yeah. <laughs> so, si- yeah. Sorry, you go. No, I was just going to go. That's where I'm at. Um, other than that, I'm making a whole lots of things with wood.
0: <laughs> that's cool. That's cool because I'm I'm in the garden doing landscaping, so I'm not doing wood. So yes. tell me
2: what it's like. Yeah. Well, you know, splintery, <laughs> noisy, dusty, <laughs> painty. Um, I just took delivery of another van. There's a company, Maker and Son, who are an Australian company, and they make these really nice. Um, I don't even know how to describe. They, they call them the most comfortable chairs in the world, and they are. Uh, they have so in, instead of a retail shop they have a, a big van and they, they, it's fitted out and they have a couple or one of these chairs in the back of the van and the salesperson s- drives around and sells them out of the van so they've got vans in Ireland in uh, California Australia and New Zealand, I think there's three in Australia now and I'm just doing the second one for New Zealand And um, yeah. so I just picked it up from the dealer, brand new van off the lot and I'm um, going to start fitting it out with cedar shingles and all sorts of things that's
1: a quirky job
2: mm. yeah it's a weird one but so we've done one before and um, pretty smooth um, I actually got the job through a um, Instagram contact from Australia who had done the first one there and then so he's subsequently done another two and now <laughs> on to my second so uh, it's an interesting job working around weird curves it's a bit like boat building kind of weirdness, but uh, it's pretty straightforward really um, And in terms of any
0: uh, I guess codes or regulation I mean, would
2: those even exist in that scenario? <clears throat> Not like this, I mean, we're, we're, it's just all like putting plywood boxes in the back of, of a van and making them look pretty essentially just like lining the walls putting TNG on the roof and putting LED lights and carpet Uh, And then all all the walls are like cedar shingles, and that's about it. Um, It's just—it's actually quite a bit of work putting all the shingles up. Um,
0: We've talked about someone fitting out a car. Was it you, Brian? It was probably. Well, yeah,
1: I did a I did a combi. Ah, that's right. Yep, yep. I think to date the least profitable job I've ever worked on. I think really <laughs> yeah it's just all the templating of different curves yeah um
2: yeah but it was yeah, fun. i priced i priced my this van i priced it pretty hefty the first time around and they were happy as for the price and so this time around i said it was the same but seat has gone up 30 percent. so that'll be the extra on top and they're they happy with that so yeah um yeah, that's good. Actually, it's interesting doing the same thing twice, like a year apart. Yeah, I was going to say, how and much
1: of the original uh, plans or measurements did you keep?
2: I actually kept
1: templates oh, for good man.
2: Like, a bunch a nice of the one. difficult things. so we can. I, I know where they are. I'm just going to dig them out and just pretty much throw them through the router and <laughs> all the ribs for the ceiling curve I've got the template for, which I can just smash them in. Were you expecting um,
1: to be doing a second one?
2: no but they had talked about how many vans they had in california and ireland right. and, and i was like well if this is actually going to do be a thing i'll just make an extra one of these while i'm at it yep. and throw it throw it up on the shelf and yep. so it was paid off at least so you good that, that's all, pretty cool and
1: all the bitching and whining that we do about not getting clients through instagram you
2: got a client <laughs> yeah, well, through instagram interestingly yeah. that, that was through a, another maker and that wasn't actually the client but yeah In a roundabout way. Yeah. So uh, these cars are
0: are all around, just before we move off, these cars are all around the world. Aren't there slight variations
2: between cars in different (laughs) countries? Uh, Yeah. So that was like the brief from this lady, the client, was like, these are the pictures from the one we just had done in Australia. You have to make your one exactly the same. Like... And I just got a a thousand pictures And I got the I ended up on the phone to the Australian maker Um And Um So I was really nervous about I was was like How fussy is she going to be With exactly is exactly So I'm like I'm trying to I'm zooming in on all the pictures trying to work out which piece of wood has gone on top of which piece and how many what's the spacing of the shingles and like how big is the TNG there compared to what I can get here and um as it turns out that's not really it was never really the issue. She was just after a really nice job, which is what we did. Um Mm. so there's a little bit of leeway for differences because the, the Australian vans have got no windows and the sliding doors, but our ones have windows so have glass so what what type of van is it (laughs) it's a renault Mm -hmm. um Mm. high top thing um quite reasonably it's nice enough um and i think they've got the same vans in the rest of the world but there are differences um Mm. and also differences in who can get what materials because it seems like getting shingles in australia is not easy so the shingles you just made out of plywood or no no we can get um californian cedar shingles oh really yeah you buy them by the bundle um it's like a two meter square bundle of shingles Um, i don't think i've ever seen them before yeah it's they're really cool um i've used them previously back in when i was a builder so i had some idea of how to do it but um there was a bit of a COVID story in that I went to get some today And oh no, we don't have any And we're not going to have any for the next you know, three months um, But I got my guys to do some ringing around And they actually found a container load of them <laughs> Sitting around <laughs> So it was a like, good thing I asked <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah It's fun to work with shingles And uh, all the offcuts make really good kindling for the fire
0: yes. <laughs>
2: Gonna I was, was going to say, I was going to say, completely. We haven't talked to you about this, but I'm having um, a new website made. This is like way off topic. <laughs> um, so I'm having a new website made, and they want they want a bunch of testimonials from clients, you know, to say how good of super duper I am. And so I've been asked that before by. Web, web companies and stuff. And it's a pain in the butt to try and go and get, um, you imagine ringing up all your old clients out of the blue and just being like, Hey, can you like tell me really good things about myself? Tell <laughs> you know, me how like, great I am. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, just like, oh, God, this is terrible. So what they, they, these guys are genius. They offer this plan where they have, I just need to give them a list of all the clients who most likely give me good reviews. <laughs> and, um, They have a journalist ring them up and interview them for like a a minute, and then they record the call and then just you know take a synopsis of the the conversation and and then I get this report back with all these awesome testimonials from a third party, which is really cool because you know I didn't actually solicit it personally, and um, it's really good. It's really good, Mm. and the testimonials are so awesome. It's so cool to hear like you know, like fly-on-the-wall type conversation and read what people actually think about what you do and how you act. It's a really interesting um, kind of process to go through. Mm. And it was relatively, you know, 500 bucks for that service. Um, so that's part of the website design? Yes.
0: Because it's, you know, it's funny, take- when, when I think of website design, I think of this one guy who's coding away in HTML, building your website, <laughs> and that's it. That's all the service is
2: yeah so this guy this website i've i've had the same guys who've got my current website but the i had like a three-year plan where i just pay it off over three years and then it ran out and they're like do you want to you know we can reduce your payment down to like minimal now or we can like re, revamp it and do it new and i was like yeah sure let's just do it new and we'll keep the payments as they are so i do like a two-hour video conference with um the head guy and it goes through this whole checklist and what we want to achieve with with it, and then and then he sends all that all that information to his crew who actually start making the website. But then also he gets the journalist involved to do all the phone calls, and then uh, out of those thirty odd um, testimonials they get back, they then do choose like six or seven, and we did like case studies to show all the problems that I had to solve and all that make it sound really good, but then they do an yeah. extra write-up of another, another six or seven case studies, which make, my, make me sound really good. And um,
1: that, is, that, that is really good because I always yeah. see testimonials on people's websites and it's like, Joey did a great job, Bob <laughs> Sydney, <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, there's nothing believable about it, but this, the second yeah. that you're talking about them adding extra layers of detail and sort of treating yeah. a, a job as a case study... Um, yeah. I yeah. think that's really interesting never heard of that
0: before
2: yeah yeah, it's going to be really cool so I'm kind of um, excited about how they're going to because they want to rebrand my um, business essentially so it'll be interesting to see what their um, proposal is mm. and how how it goes so mm, it's just a complete side topic there that's um, no, good I've
1: always directed customers if they want to leave me a testimonial just to do it on uh, Google mm-hmm. um, to try to boosts SEO that way Mm. yeah Um, but yeah it's always funny when you see like other makers where they've had one bad client or one fake reviewer (laughs) just absolutely destroy their Google rating and there's nothing you can do to get it back yeah it sucks yeah Yeah. Yeah. so please please don't leave us negative reviews (laughs) honest ones yes negative ones no
0: (laughs) You mentioned earlier about the uh, uh, you you were talking about the material costs being higher yep. at the moment. Yeah, I had a thought this week. We talked a couple, uh, probably a couple of months ago at this stage, about building a carport, and how I wanted mm-hmm. to get into it. It was turned out to be way more expensive than I wanted, and now we get into the point where the material costs from what I've read, are plateauing. They're not getting right. more expensive. What do you guys think about the cost of materials in terms of it going down? Are, are we still six months, 12 months out C- from the perspective of sh- if um, I h- hold off on my renovation
2: <clears throat> or is it, is it still completely unknown? I think um, it, there's a big difference in what the material is um well, I assume it's all gone up. at,
0: at some in, whether it's steel or timber, it's it's all gone up slightly based on COVID.
1: Yeah, but they all go up at different rates, and whether They're they all all be different be shipped rates in, in it's, what the yeah. labor element of it is, the raw material costs, the warehousing think, costs.
2: So, so here, there's a bunch like you can't get framing timber for housing. Like it's people I've got clients who are meant to be making cabinets for their house, which is being built, but they're still waiting for the frames to be delivered four months later because there's no, there's not enough timber supply. Mm. Mm. And I can't quite work that out. Cause we have like, we had a lockdown, but it's not like that's uh, still ongoing. It's like, there's just, I think what it is, is the massive demand for product and everyone's buying small amounts at the same time. And it's just something that hasn't really happened before. Um, you know, people aren't necessarily build buying more than their share. It's just more people doing it, and um, <clears throat> so that has an effect on price. For some reason, it becomes more expensive. I don't see why. we Don't really understand that. Where she just S- kind of going away? Supply go on a <laughs> demand, isn't
1: it? Just supply um, demand, and it's somebody is cashing in at the other end.
2: I don't you think. I think anything that's imported, like here is a bunch of stuff that's imported to New Zealand and I don't think the prices will ever go down again. I can't see shipping s- shipping rate companies suddenly saying, oh, let's take that 300% back off the price that we just um, increased and then we'll go back to what we used to earn. <laughs> I can't see that. Happening. No, but surely they
0: can't With <clears throat> with the increase that the cost of living just – will not match that for the next five to ten years from what I remember I don't deal so much with this sort of supply yeah and that's what I'm asking you you've seen both you guys have seen the cost increase has it plateaued or is it still
2: continuing to increase it's hard to say because for me like my suppliers get a bunch of ship bunch of containers in and then we have a price and as long as that stock remains and, who, and the next order, I know that the shipping cost has gone up for the next order, but that might not cycle through my timber yard for another six or seven months mm. before I actually get to that shipment, which is going to have an increased price. So he, it's hard to know.
1: Here you go, Robin. Here's an example. So I always take photos <coughs> in timber yards uh, to get the lengths or like while I'm quoting a project and I'm in the yard for something else, I'll take a photo of the links and then come back the next day and sort of try to work out. But uh, so we've got September 2018, 120 by 30 black butt for $19 a linear meter. That is now $33 a
2: linear meter. Wow. Yes. Mm. So why is a native timber gone up in price? That's a very good question. Is, Is your sawmills they can. <laughs> Were the sawmills there like
1: sp- held up? I mean, I suppose there there would be issues with freight and delivery and labour shortages and lockdowns and things like that, but to go up that's what just over two years, two and a two and a half years. To hmm. to go up by like fifty percent. Yeah. It's quite a lot. Um the, but no, I I can't way. explain it. Maybe we should get get Andy from Urban Salvage back on he can, he can talk yeah. us through. Mm. That would be interesting, yeah. it would, yeah. <clears throat> but um no, I don't I don't see them going down either. Robin, I've, I think the prices are here to stay.
2: I think.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so in that case, get the Renault done now, there's no real point in waiting. Um because yeah. you may have a yeah, I guess you may have the stock come in, but yeah. If you want it and you've got the money, just
1: do it because it's it's not gonna get any cheaper
2: it's not going it's never going to get cheaper from day to day and with building work typically i think you'll find that labor costs these days are probably more than material costs
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so it's not as big of a jump i think
0: Mm, mm. Mm, interesting i'll keep that in mind um and there's still
1: still the hardware um shortages here as well like Oh yeah. Um, I saw uh, Julian from Glen Cross Woodworks. I don't know if you know Julian, but he got like the last set of Undermount hyphaly <laughs> drawer runners oh, really? in. Pretty, I think in Australia. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it's it, yeah, interesting. I don't know what their restock time on the are, Whether they get them back in on a weekly basis, monthly basis, who knows? But yeah.
2: Yeah, supply for that has all been pretty good because when it ran out last time all the all my suppliers kind of sent out emails saying we've sent out gigantic orders mm-hmm. from our suppliers and it's all and it's all come in now, and so they're like overstocked, which is great um, and so they've tried to get ahead of the the delay issue yep. with a lot of the hardware yep. and so far so good so um, we'll see how that works out
1: yeah
2: and what are you, what have you been working
1: on Choi?
2: Um <clears throat> excuse me (coughs) (laughs) this is a hell of an intro (laughs) we um i've been working on this bag bed job it's a i took this on because it was a strange job and um so this poor teenager has been stuffed into a room not much bigger than a prison cell um it's such a small bedroom and um so we gotta put luckily it's a big old house it's got like a 2.8 meter 2.9 meter ceiling so we're putting like a a bed at eye level about 1500 high and a desk underneath and then there's this weird little space at the foot of the bed and i've had to incorporate a wardrobe the ladder for the to get up to the bed each each rung of the ladder is actually a shelf a deep shelf so it's kind of two-in-one, there's a That's cupboard a cool next to it, and some really awkward dead space at the top, at the foot of the bed at the far end where you can't really get to it. I've, I've made this giant pull-out drawer on like 800, 900 mil long runners, so you can kind of use the full width of the bed, which is an 1100 wide or something. Um, so it's just lots of parts scattered around the workshop because it's such. We, you know, we can't really put it together until we're in the room and start screwing it to the walls and stuff but um it's a bit of a strange one because even though i had a 3d model of exactly how everything went together when we started trying to cut things and i was like how does this actually work like this piece of wood's going to come up behind this piece and then this other piece is going to come across this piece and then uh yeah it was very um confusing is it is it plywood yeah it's just going to be painted or yeah, painted plywood, and you know carcasses are like laminate on plywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and this that was a good, intro uh, that's interesting. It was funny in that we had just cut the desktop out of a, an HPL on birch ply, and the client really wanted a corner desk with a curved kind of radius for the in the corner desk. So we just CNC'd that out, literally finished cutting it, and she texted me and said, "Can we change it from white to grey? and it's like well nope we we just cut the sheet up so um and then it was like well how much is it going to cost to change it and then it was like okay we won't we won't do that uh, <laughs> um, i was actually surprised i was like okay what's it going to be the cost of a sheet apply and uh, you know this product is like 270 dollars a sheet or something mm-hmm. um I was like, okay, it might be that much. But then I worked out how much it was going to cost to get that one sheet to me as opposed yeah. to the whole job lot yep. and then the day for us to re cnc and see it. And uh, it got pretty darn expensive. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, nope. That's it. Yeah.
0: Sorry? That's not the only job you've been working on. There's an even more important job that you've been working on in the workshop that I saw on Instagram. Oh, and
2: yeah. you'd be a, a terrible the dad if you forgot that job yes that was fun like he Theo's just turned six he's been nagging at me like when can I come and work with you and like that's super cool he wants to be a furniture maker um so we took off last Sunday whatever it was and we just happened to be at the workshop for picking up some whatever stuff and he's like can we make something and I said okay sure and he said let's make a chair and I was like oh my god <laughs> Could you pick something more complicated? Yeah. Like, on, a chair. Why do you want a chair? Come on. Um, and I'm like, just straight away, look at my watch. It was like two o'clock. And I'm like, we're never going to get a chair made. Like, this is outrageous. But we, we managed it. Like, I just jumped into the wood pile, grabbed some stuff out, and we threw it through the thickness there. And um, my I would immediately just was like, how can I make a chair with the fewest pieces of wood? <laughs> like that was my design criteria like how can we make the legs do as many things as they can at once so i don't have to like put lots of pieces of wood together so yeah we came That's up with really it cool. came up with this kind of design where everything's floating on the legs and um it's kind of cool I actually kind of like the idea of just modifying it and making it a bit more sleek young um yeah, yeah i really like that design really like that yeah so i think it plans
0: floating in in the leg
2: well, yeah, like the the so the seat is like one just piece of oak, and yeah. um, we just like put angled notches in it, and the legs just kind of sit in those notches and screw in, and because the the legs are an angle, the seat can't slide down. Okay, um, yeah, gotcha. It's, it's wedged in place, and the the screws are just holding it in from falling off the sides of the seat. Um, so I've just made a high chair for
0: my boy. And I went the other way around, where I routed some notches in the legs, and then you slide the seat in. Yeah, yeah. And the benefit of that, because it's a high chair, you can then make multiple levels yeah. to to move it up and down. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, the fact that you did that, at, you know, from two in the afternoon. Yeah. That's that's pretty insane. I think a lot of people would be happy with that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I remember you ta- telling me about Theo. Many, many, many episodes ago, telling me how he was—he didn't like the sound of the impact driver.
2: Yeah, yeah, and here he is in the workshop with the thing now he's running. He's in charge of the drill, man. He's his finger on the trigger, and bam! <laughs> Next thing you know, That's your awesome. screw is coming out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> let go, Theo. Let go. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Have you made anything at all, Brian? Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I've had a busy couple of weeks doing built-ins, so I've got one that's kind of installed in two sections so that I could install, it. it's like, there's three components to it and I've installed two of the components so then I could get a final measure for the third one because yeah. Um, yeah it's a little it's not like it can be up on feet and have adjustability to it it's on a very very thin kickboard on the bottom so it sort of needs to be perfect and I think originally this show we were going to talk about tradies and their lack uh, yeah. of accuracy <laughs> but that's kind of yep. good so yeah obviously <laughs> none of the walls are square um, so it's trying to account for all that in a, in a large heavy built in unit has been lots yeah. of fun and you know, don't want any trim around it, and yeah, so um, I've been working on that. Uh, I got the design signed off on my t- uh, two tambour entertainment units. I was, I
0: was gonna ask, how's cool. that going? Yeah, yeah,
1: so finished finished the documentation of it last night, and um, yeah, collecting the timber tomorrow. So, it's gonna be my first time using Tasmanian blackwood, which is gonna mm-hmm. be interesting. Originally, we we're gonna I go sp- bottom gum, but um kind of happy going blackwood just a bit easier to work and a bit lighter and a bit richer in color
2: i saw someone on instagram i don't know who it was but they um posted a picture of a whole bunch of different pieces of blackwood and it just made this uh that just the color variant is Mm. so outrageous Mm -hmm. it went from like lime green through to like walnut dark brown and like it must be i don't know if, do you know if the color changes it's, throughout each board or is it yeah so board sapwood way? to heartwood it has massive fair
1: i'd say probably the most of <clears throat> of any sort of commercially available australian timbers uh so mm. yeah that's what terrifies me a little bit
2: because uh, i've used blackwood before but when the stuff i had i thought i was like well oh, it's nice, but there's no real difference between this and Walnut, American Walnut, because mm-hmm. it's like just consistently a brown color. Yeah. Um, but from those pictures I saw, like, it's wildly different.
1: Yeah. See, my issue is I don't work with uh, imported. Mm. So I'm like, do I go with something that's as close to Walnut as possible? Like in terms of the tones, or do I start to bring in a few of the paler I don't like the greens in blackwood it's just something that's always yeah. I, I, I don't know it It just it doesn't suit my eye Um. so yeah I think I'll probably look for the paler tones and then into chocolatey walnut um, but uh, yeah that's a pretty good one Um. what else finally finished a uh, memory box that I've been waiting on a client to tell me what they wanted engraved on it for quite a while okay. so that's done Um, oh I got a death threat from a junkie leaving my workshop on Friday which was pretty nice
2: that's actually that's
1: quite a good story (laughs) Um, so you know that I work in an old munitions storage thing (laughs) so I drove out of the car park Friday night pitch black and I've got to go through a council car park to get out and it's two sets of gates so it's like farm style open one drive through (laughs) close open the next one so as I'm in between the gates, I hear somebody shouting and uh effing and blind and about, oh, you stole this, you stole that, and I'm like, oh god, what's who's this guy on? And then I notice that there's nobody else. There's no other cars parked in the car park, and he's shouting at me. Yeah. And then he starts making his way over saying he's gonna shoot me if I don't give him back his tools from when he worked in the munitions factory, and I'm like this guy's about 45 and I'm pretty sure the munitions factory closed 50 years ago 45 years ago I'm like ah, brilliant and uh anyway then he starts screaming in front of the windscreen he's got I don't know two metal bars in his hands or something and I'm like right Jesus right I'm just going to drive on so I go to drive on turn the ignition to my car and I've got a flat battery
0: oh my god (laughs) <laughs> and that's when the suspense music started. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Um,
2: this, this shit. So. Yeah,
1: so that wasn't the best end of the week. But uh, no, we managed to... That's funny. So to, how, did, how did it de-escalate? Uh, so he then went back and hopped in his van to smoke a little bit more meth. And, um, and I <laughs> rang uh, I rang my wife and she sent her legendary sister to come down and I made her stay in the car while I jumped before this guy had finished his next round of
2: meth. Yeah. I like how she sings her sister down to sort you out. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, th-
1: thank you, Miranda, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, uh, so that was the low light of the week and then obviously the highlight of the week was England losing the soccer. That was that was good. So I put a big smile on my face. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, um, I've, yeah, I've got quite a bit of work on at the minute, so that's good. It's it yeah. kind of tends to be the way things work in Victoria. Are always fine. July, August tend to be the busiest times. Really? Yeah. Yeah, oh,
2: man. That's usually the opposite here because it's just dead middle of winter and people I don't know. Usually it's just like nothing on until people start seeing oh Christmas is coming up. We better get it done before Christmas. Is
1: your is your end of financial year? Um, end of June it's,
2: no it's March March so you, April mm. you,
1: yeah. I always find that there's a flood of jobs right, coming yeah. just it's before true. end of financial year and as well like we're probably like climatically a little bit obviously different to where yeah. you are that in yeah. summer people don't spend much time in their houses so in winter yeah, right. they're looking at their decor more and and um, I find that's mm. yeah when the bulk of my work comes in
2: yeah the conversely i suppose at this year and last year i suppose it's yeah somewhat last year it's just been non-stop yeah like, again yeah. work has just been pouring in um so i'm like another i'm two or three months ahead suddenly again so yeah. i went down to like a week ahead and now in the course of a week a couple of big jobs come in and that's it there's two months gone so that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> It's awesome that's great but yeah again starts becoming stressful when you have a long wait list but because yeah. you know any delays, delays start make pushing everything out, it's, uh, it's a bit stressful. But
1: but do you do you still not find the clients have got a little bit more patience to them
2: now? Yeah. After most people are happy, I just like to be on time. If I yeah. tell someone I'm going to be on this day, which leads to the topic I was going to talk about, but yeah. we probably don't have time. Yeah, the joke got um, totally sabotaged somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, if I say, you know, I'm going to be there next Wednesday, I will be there. Yeah. And I suppose the scale
1: of the jobs as well, Joey. Like, it's fine if they're small, physically small jobs that you could sort of dip in and out between different jobs. But if a big job hits hold and you're waiting for something, it's not like you can
2: fill the workshop up with the next job. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. Like, yeah. again, with any, cab- any big cabinetry, kitchens are the worst. Yeah. Like, once it's made, it really needs to get out of there because yeah, where am I going to put it? Yeah. Uh, no. As it turns out, I just put it in the corner of my workshop and I work around it for six months. But, <laughs> 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 oh my God.
0: Yeah. Brian, you were saying earlier you were finishing up the documentation for the timber door mm-hmm. or the timber cabinet. What is that? what what documentation do you get so you
1: i i'm sure i've been through this before but i'll go go again so i would generally sell the idea to a client through a sketch in terms of just the concept then i'll do a 3d model render it and add dimensions um so that went sketch to the client the client asked for a few minor changes to it so originally they'd asked for something symmetrical and uh, I don't really love symmetry. Uh, I'm sh- again, I'm sure I've been through this, but I always like a point of interest to be offset sender. And then when I sent them the symmetrical one, they're like, oh, could you just extend it a wee bit more and have it? I'm like, oh, sure, awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then it's updating that 3D model and then just getting into documentation set. Um. So just plans, sections, elevations... Working out, oh, right. working okay, out with grain directions and things because there's perpendicular, um, yeah, there's perpendicular planes. It's like a sort of a C section that wraps if you looked at it in section, and then there's fins that obviously support the the C. So it's mm-hmm. trying to work out how I'm gonna how I'm gonna do it <coughs> grain wise and which bits need to be uh, veneered, uh, shop veneered plywood, and which bits are going to be solid timber. And then working out my, like, I, it, the software that I use generates a, uh, like, a volumetric cut list for me. So yeah. then mm. take that, go to the timber yard. So that's, that's tomorrow morning's job. Awesome. Yeah.
0: So you complete the documentation and then does that go off to the clients? No, nah, they seems never see like, it. it. They're, they're never, yeah, it's going to say because they don't need to know that. No, nah, that's for me.
1: And again, okay. that's kind of going back to when I was asking Joey, did he keep the jigs? I always find that if i you know, on the rare occasions when i work on something in the workshop without a set of drawings dog, i will always learn things on it um i don't know it could be a the precise fit of a sliding dovetail or something like that and i will never note down the numbers whereas yes. the second i have a physical set of drawings in a clipboard hanging on my workshop i, I can always go back and refer to them further down the line so um yeah, I figured because I'd never done a tambour door before working out the tolerances and radiuses of the corner and having it all set on a drawing
2: um was was worthwhile. Are you going to do a complete full scale mock up? No. Just to make sure that your your, your plan is going to work? No, I don't You're think gonna so. going to go for it.
1: I think what I'll do is I will um I mean, I've done a computer model and um check the width of the strips to the radius i'll probably mock up one corner yeah and just have the strips of the tambour um still trying to work out how to get the door in there when it's wall hung (laughs) but yeah i think i've got a solution that should work cool yeah but um no i'm I'm excited to get working on that one so yeah hopefully get on to gluing it up next week i think and um (laughs)
2: Yeah. So you just got a week of planning boards and gluing boards up. Pretty much letting it yeah.
1: just season in my workshop a little bit, and then um, yeah, there's going to be a bit of faffing about with the joinery. But uh, and then I've got a few other small jobs, uh, star map tables and things like that to work around. While that's all happening, and then I need to get the second half of this big plywood um, built-in installed as well, and yeah. a load of welding to do for a banquet bench oh my god mm. yeah <laughs> uh, so long as we don't go into lockdown we're good
0: so uh, welding yes. is that something you do you don't send it off no I do it I do it I didn't realise you, you had a weld yeah badly yeah, but I, yeah. But yeah not badly dead island did that island though. yeah um,
1: <laughs> not badly but slowly slowly is my problem um, so yeah if I, <clears> if I get commissioned to do multiple sets of tables I have a welder that I can bring in I and mean, it just makes financial sense for me to do it. Yeah. Whereas if it's a one-off piece like particularly like that Island bench where it needed uh, lots of weird little sliding mechanisms, I nearly found it easier to do that myself. Um, so that I could test things as opposed to having to do because my welder is brilliant, but he needs the full technical drawings and yeah, the amount yeah. of time that it would take to do entire technical drawings of that, I was like, Yeah, this is the time where it might be best to botch something up and then mm. produce the drawings. Like I said, to have a record of it, I'll produce the drawings after I find something that worked. Mm. So that's what I did. But yeah, I do a bit of welding. Yeah, yeah it's good, um, good to keep warm in winter.
2: <laughs> to change topics again... Yep. Here's a bit of a brainstorm. I was asked to design a 4 meter long, one4 meter wide outdoor table. Whoa.
0: That's an interesting dimension. Can you
2: tell me how to do it. (laughs) With lots lots of legs and rails. Because my initial thought was like, oh my God, four meters. And then I was like, well, Nathan Day does like those, um, yeah, four meter long, uh, what do you call torsion box tables? Yeah. It's like, well, so he can do it in one span, but that's indoor. Like he, he couldn't probably get away with a torsion box outside, but so you could do it in a span and so then i so it's possible you, i can get some four meter long clear macrocarpa mm-hmm. um but it's like then i've got to make a four meter long 1.4 meter wide tabletop, which is just asking for trouble it seems way too big
0: why uh, can't you do a, a torsion box outside
2: Outdoors, well, it's all got to be glued together i just can't see even if i use like gorilla glue i just can't see or epoxy possibly but The,
1: the issue as well is like you need the water to go somewhere yeah so if it's a solid like top with veneers on it it's just gonna peel and
2: well my first thought was even if i made five mil veneers yeah and epoxied them to some like marine plywood those veneers are going to want to swell. Yeah. They're like they're going to probably pop off the ply, or the or rip the the veneers off the the marine ply underneath it. Yeah. Um, and the glue will come away with it, and so I was like kind of ruled out veneering it pretty early on. Um, and it's got to be a solid a solid timber top well that's what he 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 wants a flat top which is you know number one no-no for outdoor tables you don't have a flat top on it but Mm. um i i entertained the idea and i so i i came up with a plan it cost um it came out at about nine and a half grand Mm -hmm. for that plus four bench seats For that including
1: four bench seats yeah in in microcarpa
2: that was in macrocappa. Yeah, it was in Macrocarpa. because I wanted to do it in iroko, which is the African, African teak-like mm-hmm. timber, but the price of that is is so outrageous. <laughs> it, it, it like took the material cost to like six grand or something. So I was like, okay, Jeez. let's just like come down a step, because um, <laughs> he said he has a it's going under a roof, um, mostly under a covered area. Right. So I was like, okay, Carpa with you know some good protection is is probably going to be okay and that's why i was okay with having a flat tabletop because it's going to have a roof on it Uh, it's not Mm. really going to have pooling water on it when it rains and it's not going to have direct sun necessarily you know so it's like it's semi-protected we as long as we allow for the top to move a heck of a lot um we're probably going to be okay um and a tree standing yeah freestanding so i ended up making he wanted you know the classic kind of barn x x legs Mm -hmm. Mm. um and he wanted them really big and chunky so i made them like 150 square legs and typically on an x-leg table you would have a a bar across the top of the x and then the tabletop would sit on top of that and you'd screw up through to hold the tabletop in place um but i made that that bar on top of the x be flush with the tabletop. And you'd have a leg at each end and a leg in the middle. And so the tabletop is straight away split into two two, two meter long sections. Yeah, just so I didn't have to deal with the, the length. How thick is the table? So uh fifty mil. It was one it was gonna be seventy, but can't get the oh, size. <laughs> it's basically a um, workbench at that point. Seventy Yeah. Mil. so if you think about three X's with a, a bar on the top, um, separated, and then I was going to have steel frames made to go between each of the leg um, the leg setups. And uh, in the middle of the X, you'd have a stretcher, like a, a pole stretcher mm-hmm. that holds the bottom in place. So when you assemble it at home, you would have a, cup, have a mate help you hold the steel frame in place and screw it into each leg assembly mm-hmm. to make... Make the legs up, and then the tops could sit on top of the steel frame, and you'd have a whole bunch of slots cut into the steel frame, and screw it up underneath, so the steel frame's holding the panel flat, and letting it move. Um, so that was my plan, and I just thought. So you're um, saying
0: two separate pieces of two meters. Yes. Yep. So, you've Ooh, got, that's, that's a big design. Personally, if I want a four meter table, I want a solid piece of four meters. If there's a, a joint yeah. in the middle. Ugh.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, I, I toyed with that, but I was like, as this client said, well, I'll just, you make it. You don't have to worry about getting it to me. I'll bring my trailer and we'll just lift it on the trailer. And I, I was like, <laughs> you and five other people? Like, wait, how are we going to? This is a four meter thing. The legs are 150 square. You know, the tabletop this is going to weigh a ton like together as one table no one's lifting this thing Mm, they learned moving it from your trailer it's like that you had to kind of consider the fact that i didn't like the idea of one big tabletop because straight away i was like how am i even going to flatten it Mm. plane it whatever like i'll be i I actually considered doing it as one piece and hiring a floor sander and just walking over it with a floor (laughs) sander to finish it yeah. Um, which probably would have worked, but anyway, yeah, it was an interesting design challenge. Um, and maybe anyone listening, if they're still listening at this point, can um, hit us up with some uh, ideas about how you might go about designing something that size and for an outdoor situation. Just as a, let's see what we can come up with as a a group because it would be an interesting, um, mm. an interesting little plan just to see what what comes back. I like this. It's a, it's a bit of homework for the group. <laughs> yeah.
0: Come back. Come back and let us know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, DM yeah, us if it's... you're listening and you've got an idea because just a, a basic sketch would be kind of cool to see what people could come up with. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture that as,
0: I mean, you, would, you would almost, the tolerances on that in terms of being flat would just be massive because you just, you, you can't expect it to be flat
2: at that length yeah i mean exactly i mean i I, because even if you had a big fancy wide belt drum sander it doesn't go to 1.4 four. They're typically only 1.3 i think max um so you can't rely it's got to be hand flattened or or you split it long ways and have two 700 wide tabletops which um still wouldn't fit through any of my machines but um would be maybe easy to deal with but uh interesting it's i reckon interesting that's design. what i would do i would, I think i would put
1: a a lineal seam in the middle yeah and have it as two 700 wide. i think because mm. then uh, like like Robin saying you know i want a four meter long table to look like a four meter yep. long table but it would still mm. be just about manageable
2: i considered doing that and and actually making it a bit, a bit like a split top rubo bench yeah and mm. And trying to do something with that gap, either incorporating some way of using it for entertainment purposes or decoration, like putting a some kind of um, flower pot stands in that gap or, mm. or just doing something to to make use of it as a an art piece of art rather than just we split the tabletop in half because it's too big. Yeah.
0: Um, I've seen a, a bench design like that. Slight, slightly different, but where you take a threaded rod and you s- separate the boards with with um
2: yeah washer nuts something. or something,
0: yeah. yeah, and so you can essentially just put it together oh. yeah, maybe a bit too industrial,
2: yeah, I think this client just didn't want slatted a slatted top, which would mm. would have solved a lot of problems, yeah
1: he effectively wants you to <clears throat> defy science, yeah.
2: yeah yeah that's good, an easy one but i. I like those challenges where it's like, okay, (laughs) we're going against all the norms, but let's just see what we can come up with if we actually think about it. Mm. Hmm. Cool.
0: All right. I reckon we'll leave it there. So, yeah, if anyone has any ideas, let us know, and um, we'll mention it next show because next show it's just going to be us again. So, yeah, we we can talk about it next show as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. So everyone listening, thanks again. Um, If you did enjoy the show, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. It really does help us out. Joey and Brian, thanks again for hanging out, and we will see you all in the next show. Sweet. See ya. See you, guys.